And now it's time for Dave's Disney View Podcast. Please move across your car to make room for everyone. Our podcast will begin momentarily. Join Dave as he makes his Grand Circle tour around the Walt Disney World Resort. Dave is a dreamer and an engineer who enjoys the magic and wonder of it all. But he understands its place in history and respects the legacy that's been left. So come along and take a listen to Dave's thoughts about the Walt Disney World Resorts and see it through Dave's eyes. Please stand clear of the podcaster. Por favor, manténganse alejado del David. And now, here's your host. Hey everyone, it's Dave. Welcome to another edition of Dave's Disney View Podcast. On today's podcast, I wanted to get a little bit more personal and talk about something that's near and dear to me, and that's uh, how my grandparents love Disney. And the reason for this is my maternal grandmother recently passed away. Now, she was 94 years old, and uh, you know she'd lived a li- rich, full life, and I got a chance to say goodbye, so there's really not much more I can say about that other than, you know, I'll miss her. But it allowed me to be a little introspective about part of the reason that I love Disney so much is because of my maternal grandparents. I was very close to them growing up, and uh, they had a big influence on me. And I'll explain that through this podcast and talk about how their love of Disney kind of rubbed off on me and how I became the fan that I am today. Now, my grandfather had actually passed away 25 years ago. And it's been something that's kind of stuck with me over the years that he was such a huge fan. And I really kind of use that as some of the impetus of who I am and what I've become and why I do this podcast. He was a talker. He could always talk. He talked to anybody. He liked everybody. He got along with everybody. He was like me in the sense of, you know, just a blathering blatherskite and could just keep talking. Never bothered him. So he had this way about him that kind of rubbed off on me. And I think that's part of the reason that in general, I like doing the podcasts and talking about things and being the resident expert. But I think it goes deeper than that. So let me back up into history. My grandfather was actually born in New York in 1909. And uh, so he was a more or less a contemporary of Walt Disney. And he was aware of this guy named Walt Disney who was doing some things, some animations, had built an animation studio and was doing some different things. Along the way in his life, he had met many of the animators who worked at Disney and some that had worked for Warner Brothers and some of the other cartoon uh, animation studios along the way. Uh, So he really did get to know a lot of people. I think he had also met some of the web designers who had worked at Disney at various times. Now, I don't think he ever met Walt Disney. In fact, I'm pretty sure he did not. But he kind of had this influence on my grandfather's life. Now, in a sense, my grandfather and Walt Disney were kind of kindred spirits. They were both self-made men who relied on themselves for a lot of their own well-being and the things that they did. The difference, of course, is that my grandfather had nine children that he had to provide for, and he never really had this passion to build something that everyone could enjoy. He did things kind of on his own and uh, was able to fix anything and could do a lot of things. And uh, he really kind of found his own way in life, but he was self-made and really made something for himself based on the things that he liked doing. He had a television repair business for a while. He used to work for some of the movie theaters, uh, repairing projectors. He worked for several TV stations. He installed sound systems in different places. He did a lot of things like that that really defined who he was. He was a very electrical person for the most part, but he could fix anything. You'd find him out there sometimes in his backyard with a welding torch or with a, uh, a lathe. You know, you never knew what he was going to be doing, but he always had these tremendously good ideas. He never patented any of them, but some of them you see as patents now that other people have invented as well. And you look at it and you go, wow, he really did have some very big creative things he was doing. 
So, at some point in the late 1930s, my grandfather moved to uh, Venezuela to seek his fame and fortune. That's how he chose to go about it. His family was from Venezuela originally, so he thought he'd go back home and uh, seek out his fame. Now, he didn't even speak Spanish when he went down there. He learned Spanish along the way as he was down there. That's the kind of person he was. And one of the things that he did while he was working down there was to install movie houses. Some of them were these pop-up movie theaters in small towns where he would just put it up and people would come and see a movie and he would entertain them for the day. Others were larger movie houses that were standing buildings that he would install the screens in, put the uh, projectors in, and then come back and repair them and keep them running. He also had a line on different movies that he could get. And invariably, the, some of the movies that he would get were Disney cartoons. So he would always have the Mickey Mouse cartoons as the early showing. If there was a Disney movie that was out at that time, he would get that as well. But there was always something Disney-related in what he was doing. You know, he, he loved the Mickey Mouse cartoons. I think they spoke to him in some way, and they were fun for him. So he really enjoyed having those as some of the movies that he played for other people. So in a way, he was connected to Disney in a sort of a roundabout sort of way that he used to play these movies when he was in Venezuela and doing these movie houses. Well, he met my grandmother along the way, and uh, the two of them got married, and they went off and they did various things in their lives. Uh, but there was always this kind of underpinning of uh, Disney that kind of rode through there. I think uh, my grandfather kind of looked up to him in a way, in, in sort of a way, as a contemporary as uh, being somebody who had somebody who had some ingenious uh, nature to him. So at some point after World War II, my grandfather and my grandmother moved to the United States, and uh, they lived in the United States. They lived in Miami. They uh, decided to put, up, put roots in Miami, had their nine children, and started raising them. Now, there were two things about my grandfather that you could always count on. One was that if there was a children's birthday party for any of his kids, or when we came along, his grandkids, he would always make sure that there was a Disney movie that he would play during the party. That's just the way it always worked. You would go to the party, he would either be projecting it inside the house or maybe in the backyard after night fell, but he would have a Disney movie he would show. And it's just one of those things that kind of sticks with me that he liked doing the Disney movies. And I think, you know, during the 1950s and early 1960s when Disney was turning out some really good films, the 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea and so forth, it really made it easy to find some good films, some quality material that he could show, and he really enjoyed it, I think. I think he really... You know, the nature of those films really got to him. Now, that's not to say those are the only films he liked. He liked a lot of the other films that were in popular release at the time, but those were certainly some of them that really spoke to him, and he, he would always have them. And second, it was that the wonderful world of Disney was on in his house on Sunday night. He would sit there and watch it and kind of revel in whatever Walt Disney was showing that week and enjoy it. You could always see a smile on his face as Walt came on the screen and would talk about something interesting, show a cartoon and whatever. It was sort of that connection he had to Walt Disney in some way. I think he always wanted to be something of a creative sort, whether it was an animator or doing something. Uh, I think that would have been something that would have interested him. Now, he was fascinated by the fact that Walt Disney had built a theme park in California. And it was something of a dream to go out there and visit it just to see what it was like. And then when the late 1960s came around and he heard about Walt Disney building a property in Florida, he thought, wow, this is really cool. I want to know more about that. And he read everything he could about it and kind of kept up to date with it and met some people who had worked there. I think in another world, maybe had it been earlier in his life, he might have actually gone and worked on the construction up there and been one of the people who was involved with it. But with the nine children at home, that was kind of a non-starter. I don't think it was going to happen that he was going to move up to Orlando and do the work and, uh, and work on these things. But I wouldn't doubt, I didn't know him at the time, certainly, but I wouldn't doubt for a moment that he had considered it, because that seems like it was right in his, up his alley. Now, I know later in life, at some point, we were at uh, Downtown Disney, and we were talking to a couple of mechanics who were working on something, and uh, he was actually interested in potentially applying for a job and going up there and, and doing some kind of repair work, you know, just working as a, a technician to repair things. And he did seriously consider it at that point. The only problem was he really liked his house in Miami, and he wasn't ready to move. 
And he did move a few years later to another house that was a little bit further north, but not as far north as Orlando. So, you know, it didn't quite work out that way, but I know he thought about it, and it was something that was in the back of his mind. So when Disney World opened in 1971, of course, he had to be there very early, very soon. He went before me and my brother and my parents went up there. He had gone up and visited the park, and he told us all about it, and how wonderful it was, and how amazing it was, and how neat it was, and how cool it was, and he just had a lot of nice things to say about it. My grandmother was fascinated as well. She really loved some of the things that they had done, some of the way they had captured the magic, the imagination, the fact that there were so many flowers, and there was all these gardens, and it just had a certain aesthetic beauty to it, and it worked. Um, and so when we went up the first time a few, uh, the next year, we really enjoyed it as well. We had a great time, and I would say... Between 1971, when it opened, and 1988, when, it, when uh, he stopped going, um, there was probably, if I were to guess, I would say he probably went up there about 75 times over the course of the 17 years. It just amazes me when I think about it now, how many times he went up there, because he really did. He went up all the time. He and my grandmother would take day trips up occasionally. They would just hop in their car, and they would drive up there. Occasionally, it was weekend trips where uh, the family would go up there. Remember that Disney was somewhat affordable at the time. You only needed to get a uh, park ticket to be able to get in the gate, and it was only $3 or something. And you could stay at one of the resort hotels for 10 bucks. So it was easy to go up for a weekend and really enjoy yourself. And you didn't even have to go on any of the rides, though certainly you might. And it was really neat because he would just go all the time, and he would always talk about something, something that he loved about it, because there were so many things to love about it uh, that early on. And he really enjoyed just being there. And my grandmother just kind of got into it with him. And they really just, they had so much fun. So over the course of that time, we would, occasionally we would get together at my grandparents' house for like a uh, Saturday afternoon type activity with a lot of the family. My mom's family is fairly close-knit, so we would all get together on a Saturday and hang out. Uh, but occasionally, instead of hanging out at their house, we would wind up at Disney. Now, whether we knew that any of the other family members are going or not, didn't really matter sometimes. You would go up, and sometimes you would just happen upon them. They'd be in the park, too. And it was just one of those funny things. You'd be walking along, and you'd go, Hey, Uncle So-and-so, how you doing? This my cousin, and you'd have some fun. And we'd have so small little family gatherings there. We'd do different things, and it really was a wonderful time. And my grandparents would occasionally take my brother and I up by ourselves. Sometimes an aunt and uncle would take us up, or an aunt or an uncle, or a couple of aunts, or someone else would take us. We'd go on regular occasions. During the summer, we might go twice during the summer. We might go once around the holidays and you know, once in the spring. You know, you'd go many times during the year because it was affordable and gas was cheap and it was easy to get there, and it just really worked out. And so we had some fun. And I think along the way, their favorite attractions were the uh, Enchanted Tiki Room. I think there was something really wonderful about that that spoke to him. Maybe in the same way that the, the Talking Birds had spoken to Walt Disney. I never asked him about that because I never really thought about it at the time, but... Perhaps it was a similar type of thing where he was just taken aback by the motions and how many things were going on, and the musical interludes were really great. So the Tropical Serenade was certainly something that really always interested them. Both of them. They loved it. And uh, there was a certain fantasy nature to it all, the way you felt like you were transported to somewhere else as you were listening to these musical birds singing to you. And uh, I always I always love that attraction as a result, and it's just it's become one of my favorites because I like going to it with them. Now, the other two that they really liked were the Pirates of the Caribbean when it opened a few years later, after the park opened. And the uh, Haunted Mansion. Um, always loved the Haunted Mansion. There was just something kind of neat about that. It was just fun, and it was one of his favorites, and one of my grandmother's favorites, too. Of course, the Jungle Cruise was another favorite, and, uh, you know, that was fun to go on and go around and hear the hokey jokes. And we used to talk about whether we should go during the day or at night, because it's a different attraction, and, you know, you would hear different things. And sometimes we'd look for certain cast members who were driving the boats because they had better spiels than other people. And 
you know, we did different things like that. You got used to it over time because you, you got to know people. But it was really fun just to go there with him and hear stories and do some things. I mean, some of my greatest memories are sitting on a park bench in Epcot. Shortly after it opened, it must have been, you know, 83, maybe 84, we're sitting on a park bench and we're people watching. And my grandfather's telling me things, observations about people that walk by. And darned if he wasn't spot on almost every time. Oh, that person is so-and-so, or that person does this, or that person will do that. He had this way of keenly observing people and noticing what they were doing. And it was just fascinating to me, and it kind of stuck with me that that's who he was, and that's the way he liked to see things. Now, my grandmother and I, we would hang out, and she liked to shop a lot. So it was always fun to just go with her, because she'd always buy me a little something. And uh, it was always kind of fun. But it was fun to just walk with her and, and talk about things, because she loved flowers, and she loved some of the, um, the beauty of the park. And it was just fun to talk to her about those things. So, you know, those were always, those were always fond memories I have of just sitting with them and just enjoying it. And it wasn't about riding the attractions. Look, neither of my grandparents liked roller coasters. And I was not a roller coaster person either. So whenever we'd go and there was a group of people, my grandfather, my grandmother, and I would sit there and we'd wait for everybody else. And uh, they'd go on the roller coaster and we'd wait at the exit. And one of my, another one of my fondest memories was going with the two of them and uh, we'd get in line in Space Mountain just with everyone else. And at the time, you had to give the ticket when you, when you go up to Space Mountain. So just as you'd get to the gate, you'd pull out your, uh, your e-ticket to go on the uh, Space Mountain attraction. My grandfather would look at them and say, uh, we're just walking through, or where's the chicken exit, or whatever he thought was the right phrasing at that moment. And we'd go through the back, and you'd walk straight through, and you'd go in where the exit was. And we had the best time watching people get off the ride. It, there was something so neat and wonderful and weird and just amazing about watching other people ride the attraction and kind of experiencing the joy with them. You had the people who loved it and thought it was the greatest thing ever. You had the people who, oh my, I can't believe it. I'm so glad I survived. You had those people and they were fun to talk about for years and years and years. And you had other people who were, you know, did other things in between. And there was just something so neat about it. And we do the same thing at every one of the roller coasters. When we go there, we just wait for everybody else and let them enjoy it. Now, remember that back, you know, until about 1988, there really only was the uh, Big Thunder Mountain and Space Mountain. Uh, Splash Mountain came around right about that same time, so that was that was just being built. And then over in Epcot, uh, really, there weren't any um, uh, roller coasters or fast-moving attractions, if I'm not mistaken. So everything was a slow-moving ride. So we really only had those few things that we didn't do. And it was just fun. And it was so wonderful to just, to just go with them and do these things. And I loved just being with them. In some ways, they were like an extension of my own parents. My, uh, I have an uncle that's only about uh, four years older than I am. So he was like an older brother, and so they were like my step-parents in a way. And we'd see them so often, they were always like that. And then uh, the year I graduated high school, uh, so I graduated in 1984. So the, the uh, fall of 1983, they took me up to Mickey's party. And it was just the three of us. And I had the most wonderful evening I think I've ever had at Disney. There was nothing about it that I could look at and go, oh, this was so spectacular, and that was great, and this was perfect, and whatever else. It was just because it was me and them. There was no one else there but the three of us. And we just had such a good time, and they were treating me so well, and we had so much fun. And I think you know, we went up, and we stayed at this low-budget motel that was you know, on the, uh, at the outskirts of Kissimmee. And we stayed there, and we went over to an IHOP and ate dinner because the party didn't start until 7. Then we went into the, into the park, and we just enjoyed ourselves until about 1 o'clock in the morning or whatever. And then we left, and we went back to the hotel and went to sleep. But it was just such an amazing time. I couldn't tell you specifically what we did. I just had this fond warm memory of the, th the three of us just hanging around. There's a picture that I'll put in my show notes page that they took when we were there. And it was just great. 
I mean, it was just one of those moments when you just think to yourself, this is it. This is what it's all about right here. This is the family connection that you make that makes Disney so special. It wasn't my parents. It wasn't my brother. But this one just really worked for some reason. And it was just a wonderful day. Uh, evening, I guess. Um, I really loved it. You know, and it's, it's fun to think, you know, my grandfather got sick in, you know, in 1988. That's why he really didn't go back to Disney after that. But it's fun to think that my grandmother continued to go. She loved Disney so much that she wanted to go again and again and again and again and again. And I was living in Orlando at the time. So once in a while when she'd make her way up and she was, she was a trooper, she'd travel on her own, I'd go and take her to the park. And we'd have a great time. We'd just have so much fun. And we'd do some of the things that my grandfather liked. And it was just great. It was special. And it was wonderful. And, you know, I'm thinking back now at some of the, some of the things that we did, you know, as, as a family. And just some of the fun times we had going on different parts of the park and just enjoying things. I remember I visited Mickey Starland when it first opened. I happened to be living up there already. And uh, my grandparents uh, came up about a month after... Uh, and it opened, and they came up and visited me, and I was telling them all about it, and it was just such such fun. And I, I remember when I was riding the train around from Main Street over to uh, Mickey Starland, it was just so much fun to have the music playing on the train that it made it really special, like you were magically entering Starland rather than walking across the park. And I told them about that, and they were like, oh, we got to go check this out, and we did. And it was just fun. There was a certain joy to that, that we had so much fun that day, um, just going around and checking out Mickey Starland, even though I'd already been there, and it, you know, there wasn't that much to see, there was a certain joy to it. And they had brought some other cousins of mine or whatever, but we all had fun. Some of my fondest memories are with both of them, just kind of hanging out and doing whatever, you know, just riding the, the boat ride between uh, across the uh, World Showcase Lagoon or uh, riding on the Living with the Land uh, boat ride in, in the Land Pavilion over at, uh, at Epcot. Or sitting up in the Good Turn restaurant and just having some breakfast and looking down at the ride while we were sitting up there. There's some fond memories. It's not about any one thing. One of the things we did a lot, and we did this a number of times, we stayed at the golf resort. The golf resort is now Shades of Green, but at the time it was a golf resort, and anybody could book a hotel there. As the price point went up a little bit at the Contemporary in the Polynesian, and it did, it went from $10 to $20 or $30 or whatever it was, we decided to stay at the golf resort because the golf resort was a more affordable option for us. And so we went there, and it was fun. You know, it's really, it's literally right there. You just take the bus over, and you would be right in front of the Magic Kingdom. Uh, and you're really, you're really right there anyway. It's almost as close as being on one of the monorail lines. And you could really just enjoy it. And we stayed there a lot, and that was just such a fun hotel. I remember it fondly. And there's one thing that I remember about it specifically, and it's the smell. There was a smell in the lobby. It was sort of a moldy almost smell, though not quite, right? It was something that was water feature. It was, it was probably the water feature that was there that you smelled, and it had a very distinct odor. Not unlike the way the Polynesian used to smell when you would walk in, or the contemporary smells. They all have their own unique smells, right? This one had a unique smell to it, and I remember it like it was yesterday, and I went into a building not that long ago, and it had a similar smell. I went, oh my god, it's just like the golf resort. It was just a funny moment when I had that realization that it was not so different than what I had smelled before. Really kind of neat. You know, but those, those are the things that trigger great memories because we had such good times. I don't remember any really bad times. There were one or two times when I was frustrated or annoyed or, you know, I was a teenager, so what do you want? Um, those things happen or the time that I was put in charge of uh, some of my cousins and things went a little awry and they just, one of them disappeared and I couldn't find him. Yeah, we were in Disney World. How far could he go? And somebody found him later, but it was just, you know, one of those annoyances. I remember being there another time with a cousin and we went off and we saw a, a small concert by... Um, I can't think of the guy's name. He was the 
one of the Dukes of Hazard, uh, John something, who also had a small singing career. And uh, we went and saw him. He was playing at the Tomorrowland Terrace one time, so we went and saw him. And, um, you know, it's something kind of fun about that. I don't know. It's, it's weird, but it's kind of fun. It's one of those one-off random memories, because Disney was like that at the time. You would see people like that uh, and uh, be able to kind of enjoy it. You know, there was, there was just so many little memories of being with them and, and doing different things. You know, another fond memory I have was uh, in 1980, I want to say it was 85, we, were, uh, we had a little family gathering, and uh, we all met up at the, uh, um, the food court area uh, over in Epcot in the land. And we were all down there, and uh, we were having some fun, and we were just having the best time just kind of shooting the breeze, having some fun, talking, laughing it up, yucking it up, just having so much fun. And my grandfather decided he wanted to take some helium balloons and start sucking on the helium, and he was passing around the table so everybody would do it. It was just fun. And uh, he, was, he was funny because he, he used to tell stories. Now, as far as his stories, sometimes they were all true, sometimes they were half true, and sometimes they sounded like they were true. And that's the way he was. And you never knew which one it was until you really looked at it and studied the, the problem. Then you'd uh, figure it out. Until you really studied it, you never knew which part it was. But he would do things like that, and so here he was, and he was goofing with us, and he just kept the voice going for a long period of time, much longer than it would if you had a lung full of helium. And it was funny, you know, because that's the way he was. And um, he would tell us stories about different people he'd met and things he'd done and whatever. It was just kind of neat. You know, it was just always fun. Uh, you know, I remember him, uh, we were sitting in the beer garden one time uh, in Epcot. And uh, he met, he was talking to the person at the table next to him. And he told him his last name was Arroyo. And the guy says, oh, like the, uh, the picture? And he goes, oh, yeah, we're related to him. And I look at him and go, related to him? He goes, shh. <laughs> it's just funny. It's just the way he was. He did stuff like that. But I love that about him, you know, because he was so personable and he was so likable and it was just fun to be there with him. That's what I really enjoyed. And that's who I like to aspire to be like him. And I always thought he would have liked to have met Walt Disney. And I think they probably would have hit it off had they met at some point in their lives, but they never did. And that's totally okay. You know, I think from his perspective, it didn't matter. It just would have been neat to see what would have happened. He died in 1988. My grandmother kept coming up to Disney and kept doing different things. We'd go periodically. And two years ago, uh, my boys and I went up to Disney with her, um, so uh, with my parents. And we had one of the most fun two-day trips I can remember. She had such a good time. She was so happy to be there. We did all the things she loves to do. And uh, we went around and we saw different things and we just you know, went and experienced it. We watched fireworks. We uh, went on the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. We went on the Jungle Cruise. We went on It's a Small World, whatever. You know, we did everything that we wanted to do we stayed in the Magic Kingdom, and it was just, it was fun. And it was just a wonderful, wonderful day with her. And the one little story I'll tell you is, she, um, she was having trouble walking at the time. She would have been in like 91 or so. And she was having trouble walking. And, uh, and we got her onto the Pirates of the Caribbean. And uh, we get to the end, and she can't stand up to get off the boat. And she tried, and she tried, and she'd lift herself up, and she'd fall back on her butt, and she'd sit back in the boat for a minute. The cast members were really nice, and we're trying to help her, and the boats behind her were all cheering her on. And when she finally got up and we got her out of the boat, everyone cheered. And she was so embarrassed, but it was such a wonderful embarrassment because it was such a great moment. It's one that's, that's just engraved in my mind now, and I remember it so well, and I think about you know, what that was like. And my boys got to see it, and they were a part of it. And it's just, there's a certain specialness in that. We talk about it. It's been two years, and we still talk about it. Remember when my Tita, and I called her Tita because I couldn't call her Abuelita. She's from Venezuela, and I was trying to call her Abuelita when I was little, and I couldn't say it, so I called her my Tita. Um, so uh, when my Tita um, 
couldn't get out of the Pirates of the Caribbean. Just something that I remember well, you know, and just I treasured stuff like that. I've missed my grandfather for 25 years, and every time I go to Disney, I think about him. It's one of those weird things. I, I just, I think about him because it was so special to him, it's special to me. But I always had my Tita to come home to. She lived not too far away, and uh, whenever I'd go to Disney, I'd tell her, and I'd tell her some stories, and I'd give her something new that was going on, or I'd show, show her pictures or a video or whatever. So it was always a part of everything we did. We'd talk about Disney, right? That was the connection we had. And it will never be the same for me going back to Disney now because they're both gone. It's hard not to think about my grandparents sitting on a bench on Center Street. That was the one that was between the Emporium and the shops that were further up on Main Street. Um, there's this cross street that goes on one side. There used to be one on the other side, too. They used to sit there, and they used to just enjoy the flowers. And they'd take it in, and they'd people watch. People watching was the best. And it's hard not to think about her there. And that street doesn't exist anymore. But to look at the other side and see the flowers there, I still think about it. I still remember it. And it just won't be the same, because I miss their... Um, being there and being able to talk to them about it and share it with them. Though in a way, they live on in my own heart. So they will always be with me. They were a huge part of why I love Disney. And just with the way they talked to people and the way they treated people made me want to do the same. And so I look at it now and I think, I miss you. Now, just one more story for you. There was a period of time, oh, probably 30 or more years ago, where my brother and I stayed with my grandparents in a guest house of a great uncle. And we're in this house, and it's, you know, set in the woods somewhere. And there's this chair in the main room of the house that looks something like the chair in the Haunted Mansion. We had all come to the conclusion that it looked just like that chair. You know the one where you're going along, and there's the long hallway with the candelabra, and there's the chair off to the side? It looked just like that chair. Or at least that's what we convinced ourselves of at that point. So we're sitting there for most of the night, kind of looking at the chair, being creeped out by it. And my grandmother kept thinking that there was a ghost sitting in it. And she kept telling us there was a ghost in it. And it became this sort of folkloric thing that came about in our lives that we'd talk about the chair and the ghost in the chair and the whole thing. And it was kind of funny. And every time we'd go through the haunted mansion, there's the chair again. And it sort of became this thing that we all remembered. And it was sort of the shared memory we had. And it's kind of funny. You know, my brother and I still talk about it from time to time about the chair and the ghost that was sitting in the chair and whatever. Now, that's not to say there was anything in the chair or there was anything going on that was, that was totally creepy. It just happened to be a strange night. It was, you know, dark, and we were set in the woods, and I think there were some crickets that had made their way in the house. The whole scene was kind of creepy, you know, not quite Shining-like, but certainly a little bit on the creepy side. And uh, so we had those moments, and it was fun, kind of a fun moment because my grandfather and I would joke about it sometimes. My grandmother and I would joke about it sometimes. It was just something that was kind of special that we all shared. And because it had a weird connection to Disney, it just made it that much better because we could kind of have a little fun with it every time we went. So that's just another one of those stories that sticks with me that I remember very fondly about my grandmother and kind of the way she thought about things. Because I think she's the one who really instigated this conversation about this being a haunted chair. So it, uh, it was kind of interesting to, to hear that perspective. So what I'd like to do now is take a moment and just play for you a little bit from the Tiki Room because it was their favorite. And I'll just remind you that no matter what, if you can dream it, you can always do it, you can always be whatever you want to be. You can have success in life, maybe not as great as Walt Disney, maybe more like my grandfather, but you can always be as successful in life as you want to be based on being who you want to be. Be true to yourself always and do the best you can. And that's the greatest gift they gave me. 
So I leave you with the Tiki Room. Welcome to our tropical hideaway, you lucky people, you. If we weren't in the show starting right away, we'd be the audience too. All together in the tiki 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 room, in the tiki 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 room. All the birds sing words and the flowers croon, in the tiki 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 room. I sing so beautiful, I should sing solo. See, so low we can't hear you. My voice may not be so marvelous, but my profile is out of this world. Jawohl, but the trouble is, it's not far enough out of this world. Isn't that right, Herr Schmidt? Oh, I see, Schmidt has no hair. Mi amigo, stop the clucking. You sound like a bunch of old hens. There's a lot of birds waiting to go on. For instance... The boys in the back are called macaws. Because of their claws? No, because they're macaws. And our fine feathered friend is a jolly toucan. And toucan sounds better than one toucan can. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we have something really big for you. Yeah, the birds stand still and the tiki room flies away. Mon ami, quit talking while I'm interrupting. Ladies and gentlemen, now we present direct from the islands a musical luau. Tahua ila, tahua kawa ila, ei muhi ila, ei kolu 
Thank you for tuning in to the Disney View podcast. Now, please exit the moving podcast. The walkway is moving at the same speed as your podcast. Kindly take small children by the hand and watch your head and step. If you have questions, thoughts, or would just like to ask Dave a question, please send an email to davesdisneyview at gmail.com. You can always find Dave's Disney View on Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest. Show notes for this podcast can be found on DisneyWorldPodcast.net. Original music you hear in this podcast is courtesy of Sound A Music. You'll find a link to the latest Disney-related autism awareness event on the show notes page. We also encourage you to check out Dave's iPhone apps. There are a couple of Disney-related apps, including a Hidden Mickey's app and a Pin Trading app.